Okay, hallelujah. All right, so last week we finished up um, the sacred calendar, all of the set apart days that Yah has given us um, as a people to keep to, and they, we read, basically we saw the story of salvation through them, how they highlighted the things that Mashiach was gonna do, what he did and what he will do when he returns. This week, we're gonna go into um, the dietary laws because this class is, you know, the building blocks of our faith. So we're just looking at the, the basic tenets of what it is that we do in um, as walking in Torah with Mashiach. So actually, we're going to open up with, um, we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 15. And I'm going to go more into this later on, but... Um, I wanted to highlight a verse to um, give us foundation to why we're even studying the dietary laws. So in Acts 15, this is, is famous for the Council of Jerusalem where the apostles, um, they had issues going on in the assembly and they went to the elder in Jerusalem where James was um, the judge and presented the issues to him. and. Like I said, I'm jumping a lot, but I just want to get to the main thing. So in verse 19, it says, this is James giving his sentence. He says, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to Elohim, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. So the gist of this, judgment is when new believers come into the faith, the things that they must do immediately after being saved is they need to stop participating in practices of idolatry. That's in direct violation of the first commandment. We should have no other mighty one, but yeah, we're supposed to automatically um, stop fornication because fornication is a mockery of the image of Yah because Yah says male and female, he made them and a husband and a wife, they come together, they form that image of the father. But fornication and adultery um, taint the image of Yah. And the other part is not to, and to stay away from things strangled and from blood. And those two point directly to the dietary laws. So when, yes, when these new believers are coming into the faith, these are the things they need to start doing immediately. Because as they grow, the next verse says, um, verse 21, for Moshe of old time has in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. So the thought is they stop doing these things right now, but as they continue to go and learn every Sabbath out of Torah, they will know the other things that is required of them. So I wanted to preface the lesson, Abba just had me do it like that this, um, today, that we see that studying the dietary laws is part of that foundation, especially when we're new to the faith and we're trying to walk out, walk out toward to the best of our ability. And at the end of class, we're going to look at two um, difficulties, I'm, I'm going to call it difficulties, of things that we see in scripture that might make us think that we don't need to observe the dietary laws anymore. 
um, but we'll do that at the end. So we're gonna to go to, back to the Torah. We're gonna to go to Leviticus chapter 20. And we are starting in, we're gonna start here because these verses that we're gonna read is going to, um, let me put it in the chat. So what did I just read? Okay, I read Acts 15, 19 to 21. And so now we're gonna take a look at Leviticus 20. And we're gonna do verses 22 to 26. Because these verses actually lay out for us the purpose of the dietary loss. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people think that Yah just has, um, there she is. So a lot of people think that Yah, you know, there's a superficial reason or he doesn't like the animals. He don't like the pig, he don't like the shrimp or he's just trying to be a tyrant. So he tells us what to eat, what not to eat. But that's not the reason. Everything the father does, he does because he loves us. And he does because he is set apart and his desire is for Israel to be set apart. And we will see that in scripture. So um, Sister Joyce, you got that for me? Leviticus 20 verses 22 to 26? Yes. Ye should therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein, spew you not out. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nation, which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things, and therefore I abhor them. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am Yahweh, your Elohim, which have separated you from other people. Ye shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, and between unclean fowls and clean. And ye shall not make your souls abominable by beasts, or by fowl, or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I am Yahweh, and I am holy and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shalom, Sister Kalitha. Shalom, glad, glad you're here. Shalom. Mm-hmm. So Yah said specifically in these verses, the reason why he, he wants us to make a difference is because we are different from the other nations. And we're gonna see that these animals, they're only representative a representation of one characteristic, but ultimately of people that the father wants us not to be like. He wants us to be separate because we are holy because we're reflecting a holy mighty one. In your hearing, I'm gonna read um, First Corinthians. Sister Kalithi, if you look in the chat, you'll see all the scriptures that we went to so far. This is only our third scripture. Oh, okay. okay. So 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, what? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh, which is in you, which you have of Elohim and you are not your own. Mm-hmm. So Paul writes this to the Corinthian people, kind of reminding them that your body is the temple. And the, why that is significant, significant it's because the same animals that we are allowed to eat are some of the animals that's allowed to be offered. 
nothing that we cannot eat, Abba allows to be offered to him. You cannot offer to Yahweh a slaughtered pig. You cannot offer to Yahweh um, a coyote. Yahweh said, these are the clean animals you can eat, but these are also the same clean animals that he used. He allows offerings to be made when offerings were made. So now that's why Paul is making this connection between the temple. The same way you can't put that unclean animal on the temple in Jerusalem when it stood, is the same way you can't put that unclean food in your body. All right, so let's look at what the law says. And when we say law, we wanna go back to the beginning of where Yah tells us what we can and cannot eat. And when we did the first round of these classes, Abba led me to, I had a discussion with a sister and she pointed out something to me that I had never seen before in scripture. And at first I, was, I, I disagreed with her. But when she pointed it out to me in Genesis, I couldn't, I couldn't argue because what she was showing me was true, which was that the dietary laws actually began in Genesis chapter one. So we're gonna to go to Genesis chapter one and we're gonna look at verses nine through 14, um, 13. Genesis one, nine through 13. If someone has it, they could read it. So and Elohim said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And Elohim called the dry land earth and gathering together of the waters called he seas. And Elohim saw that it was good. And Elohim said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and Elohim saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we go back to verse 10, this is creation or the reordering of creation. Yas pushes back the sea and the dry land appear. And the dry land he calls earth and the gathering of the waters he calls the seas. So he's making a difference between the dry earth and the seas. In verse 11, he said, let the earth, the dry, that's the dry land, bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. So this is the beginning of where Yah begins to show us where even from the vegetation, where we're supposed to eat from. We're supposed to eat off the dry land. Now, the, the difficulty with that is that a lot of us, myself included, we eat things from the sea that are vegetation, but that's 
that's not where Yah told us to get our vegetation from as far as eating. And we're going to look more into that. So in that same chapter, we're going to drop down to verse 29 and 30. And we're going to, we're going to bring it all together. 29 to 30. Uh -huh. And Elohim said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the, all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seeds. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for me, and it was so. Hallelujah. Yeah. So in the beginning, between verses 9 and 13, he tells us what the dry earth was supposed to do, what it was supposed to bring forth. Then he tells us in verse 29 to 30 that the things from the dry earth is what we're supposed to eat. Now, why green? In verse 30, it says it has to be green. Green is the color of chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is what's in plants that make them green. And this is how they, they use the chlorophyll in a process of photosynthesis to create their food. This is how plants live, they grow, they reproduce because of the interaction with the sun and the chlorophyll in their leaves. So according to scripture, okay, I have a chart. I always have charts because charts are helpful. So let's, where is it? Uh, okay. Can everyone see my screen? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, he tells us that he commands the dry earth to bring forth grass. So this is how we can tell what we can eat from off the earth. It's on the earth. In other words, it's on the dry land. It has to be able to yield seed, which means you can go to it and, and, and um, harvest seeds to grow again. It is, is able to reproduce by seed. If it's fruits, the fruit has to have seed in it. Naturally, all fruits will have a seed. You pick an apple, an orange, crack it open, it has seeds. And the other thing is that it has to be green by photosynthesis at some point in its development. Because when you think about, there are some like, for example, cabbage. Cabbage can be purple. But when they begin to grow, they're green. Then they turn purple. Mm -hmm. What's important about these four things that Abba gave us and able to for us to able to determine what it is that we can and cannot eat. We always got to think um, in the point of view of um, 
how would Adam and Eve had known, how would they have known what they could have eaten? They would have had to be able to observe these things with their naked eyes. They would have to have walked up to a tree or a bush and looked at it and be able to tell it's on the dry earth, it has seeds, if they're picking fruit, it has seeds and making sure it had green leaves. They had to be able to observe what Yah, what the parameters were for them to know if they were able to eat a thing or not. Now, the difficulty for some and for us as a congregation, because we recently, um, we recently had to re-examine this because a lot of us had, we were, we, we were eating things off the dry earth that did not fall within the requirements of what Yah gave us in Genesis. We were eating vegetation that came out of the ocean, which he told us we're supposed to eat vegetation off the dry earth because he specifically said dry earth. He separated the dry earth from the seas. He never gave the command for the earth in the ocean to bring forth vegetation for us to eat. No vegetation in the sea bear seeds. So that alone would make it um, unacceptable for us to eat. Um, we were eating some things in the earth that even though they came up off the earth, they were not planted by seed and you cannot harvest any seeds from them. For example, mushrooms. Mushrooms do not reproduce by seed. They reproduce by spores, which are invisible. Adam and Eve would not have been able to pick up that mushroom and examine it to see if it was something they would have been able to eat because you, there's no seeds in mushrooms and mushrooms are never green. Mushrooms usually are white or gray or pink or red, but I, I, I mean, there's probably a, lots of varieties of mushrooms, but for the most part, mushrooms do not get their nourishment through the process of photosynthesis. Yah was very specific to say green. So we, we just can't say he didn't mean that. Um, so any questions about the vegetation? This is, the, like, like I said, this is, a new level of study for me because we always, I know for me, we figured well, if it was a fruit or was a vegetable, if it was green, wherever it came from, we ate it. But Abba had to kind of give us a little, um, a deeper understanding, not even deeper, but just like a broader understanding that the dietary laws didn't begin in Leviticus. You know, it began in the beginning because even when we go to Noah, they knew what animals to take on the ark. Most people will say, who don't know the story, will say he took two of every kind. He took seven pairs of clean animals and a pair of unclean animals. And at this point, no one was eating meat. Man didn't begin to eat meat until after the flood. But before that, there was still a distinction between an animal that was clean and an animal was that was unclean because what our forefathers always did from the beginning of time is make offering. We see that was the that was the battle, the, the issue between Cain and Abel was the offering. One bought a blood offering, one bought vegetation. So offerings were always a part of the culture of serving Yahweh. And he made it known which animals he accepted and which animals he didn't. Which is what I make. Go ahead. Go ahead, sis. Um, 
when you say, can you reiterate um, the bare seed or elaborate on that? Sure. Um, in verse 11, he says, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed. That means that the herb of the vegetation has to give seed. And fruit trees yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself. So the vegetation that Yahweh gave us to eat, because when we go down to verse 29 and 30, he says, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. So if you're going to eat herbs or vegetation or fruit, it has to have seed in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we okay. have to be able to harvest seed from it. Because remember the father, he's about um, multiplicity. He's about, right, right, right. He's about growth. So everything right. that's alive with the father reproduces. Right. Okay. So, okay. I think that I misunderstood. I was going too deep. Um, Cause when you said bear seeds, I thought you meant that we're also, we also should not eat bear seeds like chia seeds oh. or like, Oh, oh no, uh, no. Uh, but you, you just, you meant bear as in bring forth seed. Exactly. Gotcha. Not like bear as in like raw seed. Gotcha. Okay. No, 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 no. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure sis. All right. So we will take, um, we're going to go now to Leviticus 11, because this is, we're going to now talk about meat, actual flesh that we can eat. We want to keep in mind, you know, one of the parts of studying Yahweh's word and getting proper understanding is to think about, try to use our imagination to think about how these commandments were walked out when it was given. You know, the, the Hebrews, they were a very concrete people. They were very practical. Yahweh is very concrete, he's very practical. He's not gonna make us do something that is gonna be difficult. And we're able to use observation. We're able to look and see, touch and, 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 and be aware of, of things around us. And this is why he gives characteristics that we can go and check and see and examine whether these animals or vegetation is something that we can eat. So in Leviticus 1, I mean, chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, and Yahweh spoke unto Moshe and to Aaron, saying unto them, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, these are the beasts which you shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. So I want to stop right there and just interject that we, we are allowed to eat meat. If a brother or a sister, they're not comfortable because we know, I know there's some Israelites that believe that we're supposed to just eat the, the diet that we received in the garden, which was to eat vegetation and that we're not supposed to eat meat. It's not against Torah to eat meat. Yahweh said, if you're gonna eat meat, these are the types of animals that we can eat. And it wasn't until after the flood, and you could look um, in Genesis chapter nine, verses three and four, where after the flood, Yahweh tells Noah, now you can eat meat. 
He gave him some parameters. He says, as long as there's no blood in it and it's not strangled, he says, eat it. So it's the same parameter that we hear that, you know, when we opened up the, the judgment from James, eat meat, but make sure there's, it's not strangled, there's no blood. So if we wanna eat meat, we can, we just have to eat clean meat. So um, verse three, Leviticus 11 verse three says, whatsoever parts the hoof and is cloven footed and choose the cud among the beasts that shall you eat. These things are observable. You could look at an animal, look to see if they have cloven hooves. You can look to see if they're, um, what true to cud means is your food, the food has to be digested within different stomachs. For example, the cow has four part stomach. So as the cow eats, he swallows, then he ends up bringing it back up to his mouth, chews it again, swallow it again, does that four times. That's observable. You can see a cow doing that. But what is Yahweh trying to teach us about that? He's trying to, he's teaching us from these animals the characteristics he wants us to have. He tells us to be separated. That's why the that's why it is the cloven foot. That's a, separate, that's, that's a symbol of separation, that we are set apart, that we are holy. Why should the animal chew the cud? You know, Yahweh wants us to meditate, to go over and over his word. How many times in scripture is the word compared to food? Yahweh wants us to, when we go to his word, bring it back to mind, chew on it. Meditate on it, study it over and over and over again. These are the characteristics. So it's not about the animal. Abba wants us to learn about the characteristics of these animals. One of the things about clean animals, clean animals for the most part are docile animals. Cows don't attack. Deers don't attack. Goats for the most part don't attack. The animals that Yahweh tells us don't eat, these are the animals that are vicious animals. For example, the clean animals, if you can observe them, they don't have sharp teeth. A lot of their teeth is, is, are dull because they don't eat meat. They eat vegetation. Unclean animals, those are the animals that have fangs and sharp teeth because they eat meat. They are hunters. Unclean animals, for the most part, are the prey. So what is Yahweh teaching us? Just from the, just about what he wants us to be able to eat. Humility, not to be aggressive, not to be vicious, not to be a murderer. Just by looking at the characteristics, because like we said, it's not about the animal. And we're going to see that in another story. Okay, so verse four, it says, nevertheless, these shall you not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof, hoof as the camel, because he chews the cud, but divides, divides not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the coney, because he chews the cud, but he divides not the hoof, he is unclean to you. And the hare, because he chews the cud, but divide, divides not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven footed, yet he choose not the cut, he's unclean to you. So Yahweh is saying, all these things that he said did one. It's not one out of the two, they had to do both. So again, what does that mean for us for the, as a believer? 
is the things on the outside matching what's on the inside because your digestion is, on, is inside. Chewing the cud, I mean, the, the cloven hoofs, that's, that's, out, that's way, that's obvious, that's easy to observe. So Yahweh is saying, is the heart matching the actions and vice versa? One of the things the Messiah said about the Pharisees at the time, he called them hypocrites. He, and then he prophesied um, Isaiah saying that Isaiah was true when he said that your lips, um, your lips are towards me, but your heart is far from me. That's basically saying you have one, but you don't have the other. You're not totally set apart. You're not totally following my word. You have the appearance of following my word, but your heart is not following my word. And these are just some of the spiritual insights of why Yahweh gave us these animals or allowed us to eat these animals and what is the higher thing that he wants us to gain from it. A lot of us want to fuss and fight about things we can eat and not eat, but yet we're, be we're behaving like the swine. We're behaving like the lion. You know, we were behaving like the cougar. No humility, no love, no tender, tenderness, no gentleness, and not being true with our actions matching what's in our heart. Okay. Um, we're going to go to Acts chapter 10 because this is where we're going to see. We're going to see that these that these these foods is it's not about it's not so much about the animal itself it's about people, and this is also one of the scriptures, unfortunately, that a lot of our brothers and sisters in the church would go to, to say um, to support the idea that we can eat whatever we want to eat. Um, We're going to read um, verses 1 through 20, where is it, 23. So someone wants to start us off, maybe read the first 10 verses. Okay. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a satyrian of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared Elohim and all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to Elohim always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of Elohim coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what, what is it, master? And he said unto him, that prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before Elohim. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodged with one Simon, a tainer, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which came unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things, 
unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. I right, stop right there, Sister Joyce. Thank you. So we follow along what's happening. There's something happening in one side of the town with this centurion who is a Roman. Mm -hmm. But his actions has gotten the attention of Elohim because he prayed, he gave alms. Basically, it's almost like he has, he's, not open with his belief in Elohim because he is still a centurion, but he is showing support of Elohim and helping those who are in need. So he's it's sending him now to go meet Peter. So now we flash over mm -hmm. to the other side of town. Peter's minding his business on his rooftop during the sixth hour praying and then he falls into a trance but it's very important that his scripture says he was hungry that's not there for no reason he's hungry he would have gone to eat but then all of a sudden he falls into a trance so we're mm -hmm. going to pick up with verse 11 and it says this is this is peter in the trance it says and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending upon him as it had been a great sheet, knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, no, not so, master, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time. What Elohim has cleansed, that call not you common. This was done three times and the vessel was received up again into heaven. So now the vision is over. First of all, it's the vision. Second of all, this is happening after Mashiach. And Peter is still eating clean. He's not eating unclean foods because he's saying, I've never eaten this. So he comes out of the trance, verse 17, and it says, now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and call and ask whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek you. Remember this vision of these unclean meats was shown to him three times. It was told to him to rise, kill and eat three times. Here go these three men looking for him. Verse 20. Arise therefore and go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am who you seek. Why have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one that fears Elohim and of a good report among all the nation of the Yehudim, was warned from Elohim by an holy angel to send for you into his house and to hear words of you. So 
Yahweh told Cornelius, go and get Peter, bring it back to your house and let him teach you. Verse 23, then called he them in. So Peter calls them in and says to the, and, and lodges them, they spend the night. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and certain of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the day after they entered into Caesarea, into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and had called together all his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter took him up and said, stand up. I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. So Cornelius had prepared, told all the people come to my house. Peter's coming, he's gonna teach us. So that now Peter walks into this house. He's like, oh my goodness, look at all these people. Verse 28, and he said unto them, and he said unto them, you know how that it is unlawful, it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Yahudi to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But Elohim showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So the vision that Peter had had nothing to do with him actually eating. It was not an indication that it's okay to eat unclean meat. Yahweh was preparing Peter for the mission he needed him to go on because out of Peter's own mouth, he says, this is not something Jews do. We don't go to other people's houses from other nations, much less a Roman. But Yahweh showed me not to call any man unclean. So the correlations, the three, the, the, the three times he told him, the three men that were downstairs and then come into a Roman's house. But he had to show him some, remember, he said that Peter was hungry. So Yahweh just took an opportunity to use something that was available, which was his hunger. Yahweh knew he was hungry. That's why Yahweh said, rise up, kill and eat. So this has nothing to do with dietary laws. Any questions? Oh no. Okay, so I'm gonna share my screen again. And, oh, okay. So the next thing, according to the father, when it says what we can eat as far as flesh is concerned in Leviticus chapter 11, verse three, it says it has to have split hooves. And also in 11.3, it says it has to chew the cud. It has to bring its food back up to reprocess mm -hmm. digestion. Mm -hmm. So now we're gonna take a look at the things in the sea that we can eat. And we're gonna go back to Leviticus chapter 11 and we're gonna do verses nine through 12. I can't talk, I'm on Zoom, I got the door, I'm gonna call you back. Hello? These shall you eat of all that are in the waters. Remember when we talked about in the beginning of Genesis, he talked about the things that we can eat on the dry earth. Now he's being very specific what we can eat from the waters, from the seas. 
that he has gathered the seeds together separate from the dry earth. He said, whatsoever has fins and scales in the waters, in the seas and in the rivers, them shall you eat. And all that does not have fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers of all that move in the water and of any living thing that's in the water, they shall be an abomination to you. They shall even, they shall be even an abomination unto you. You should not eat their flesh, but you should have their carcass in abomination. Whatever, whatsoever has no fins nor scales in the waters that shall be an abomination unto you. That was, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Was it Leviticus, Leviticus 11, we did verses 9 through um, 12. 10 through something, right? Because we stopped at 9 at first. Um, Leviticus yeah, we continued on to 12. We stopped at 12. 12 was the last verse we read. Uh-huh. Um, Deuteronomy, um, this is just one, um, this is two short verses. I'll read that too. But Deuteronomy 14, 9 to 10 says, these you shall eat of all that are in the waters, all that have fins and scales shall you eat, and whatsoever does not have fins and scales you may not eat, it is unclean to you. So you go to the sea, you wanna eat something, you don't know what to eat, as long as whatever you pull out of that ocean has fins and scales, it's observable, you can see it, you can eat it. I knew of one, um, he, I, I don't know, he was a believer. I mean, he was a believer, but he was um, a Messianic Jew. And he believed that fins and scales only apply to fish. It didn't apply to shrimp or lobsters because those things don't come with fins and scale. So he was, to me, making it over complicated. Yahweh said, if you're going to eat out of the seas, go to the sea, pull it out to eat, it needs to have fins and scale. Uh, to me, that's just simple. To now yeah. try to decide if he's talking about crabs, you pick up a crab and you don't know if you can eat it. Does a crab have fins? Does a crab have scales? Then you throw it back in the ocean. Okay. Hallelujah. So this is real simple. When it comes to things that come out of the ocean, Yahweh said, according to Leviticus 11.9, it has to have spins and it has to have scales. All right, so our next section is, so Yahweh took care of what we could eat off the dry land. He took care of the beasts on the land. He took care of animals that live in the sea or things that live in the sea. Now he's gonna deal with um, fowls. What mm -hmm. kind of fowls can we eat? And this one, we're going to stay in Deuteronomy and we're going to stay in chapter 14, but we're going to go to verses 11 through 20. Can someone um, get that? Get those verses for me, please. Yeah, Deuteronomy 14, uh, 11 through 20. Of all the clean birds ye shall eat, 
but these are they of which ye shall not eat, the eagle and the ossifrage and the osprey and the glebe and the kite and the vulture after his kind and every raven after his kind and the owl and the night hawk and the cuckoo and the hawk after his kind, the little owl and the great owl and the swine and the pelican and the gear eagle and the comorant and the stork and the heron after his her kind and the lapwing and the bat and every creeping thing that fly is unclean unto you. They shall not be eaten, but ye all clean, uh, but of all clean fowls ye shall eat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what's different about the fowls is that Yahweh doesn't give us something to observe. We basically have to know what a raven is, what an eagle mm -hmm. is, but it also goes back to what we said, when we look at the behavior and the character of animals, that will let you be an indicator if it's something you can eat. Eagles are, they are, um, they're not docile animals. But when we think about the things that we can eat, like a pigeon, doves, um, chicken, these aren't violent animals. And now we're going to go over to Leviticus. So Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14, those are the two chapters that deal with dietary laws. So I wanted to reference them both so we can just have those two witnesses of um, what Yah said about what we can and cannot eat. So in Leviticus chapter 11, verses 20 to 23, he says, all fowls that creep, I don't even know of a winged animal that has four legs. That, that must be an extinct animal. I would yeah. see a flying animal that has four legs. <laughs> all fowl that creep going upon all four shall be an abomination unto you. Yet these you may eat of every flying creeping thing that goes upon all fours, which have legs above their feet to leap with with all upon the earth so in other words in we're talking about insects there are some insects that we are allowed to eat they don't ever have to worry about me having to figure out which one of these are clean or not because i will eat grass <laughs> before i eat an insect <laughs> but there are some that we can eat verse 22 even these of them you may eat the locust after his kind, and the ball locust after his kind, and the beetle after his kind, and the grasshopper after his, after his kind. But all other flying creeping things which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. We um, think about John the Baptist. He was known for eating honey and locusts. Locusts is not an unclean thing. Um, I know um, for the most part, Judaism do not consider any insects to be kosher um, because they believe that we shouldn't eat insects. But the Torah says that if you're going to eat an insect, there is a requirement. It has to leap upon the earth. It could have, um, it has to have four legs. And if it's, as long as it's in the family of a locust or a grasshopper or a beetle, have at it. 
Again, for me, I'm good. All right, so our last section is just things that he tells us to avoid that we're just not supposed to eat, regardless mm -hmm. if it's coming from a clean animal or not. He tells us not to eat it. And the first thing is going to be, we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 23, 23 to 27. And this is where he tells us that we're not supposed to eat fat. And we're talking about like the visible fat, fat that you can see on the animal that you're, it's easy for you to remove it off the animal. We're not saying you gotta, you know, do a dissection and get every inch of fat off, but any visible fat that you see on the food, on the meat, you're supposed to cut it off. We're not, we're not allowed to eat that. Um, Cause some fat you just can't, like for example, salmon is a fatty fish. You, there's no way you can get the fat out, out of the salmon until you cook it. Um, but to say you're going to, you know, eat a big steak and have all this fat around it and, and eat it, Yahweh tell us we're not supposed to do that. Verse 23 says, speak unto the children of Israel saying, you shall eat no manner of fat of ox or sheep or of goat. And the fat of the beast that dies of itself and the fat of that which is torn with beasts may be used in another use, but you shall not no wise eat it because the fat can be used as a source of oil or energy. They can burn it. Um, so he said, you could use it for those things, but you can't eat it. Verse 25, for whosoever eats the fat of the beast of which men offer unto an offering made by fire unto Yahweh, even the soul that eats it shall be cut off from his people. So um, we know that we are covered by Mashiach and you know we don't obey Torah. Um, for the sake of salvation, we're saved by grace. We strive to be obedient. So this is just something we want to avoid doing, you know. So we want to avoid eating visible fat. In that same chapter, the, the next verse actually in verse 26, the other thing that we are not allowed to eat is blood. Verse 26 says, moreover, you shall eat no manner of blood. That means no, how, no matter how you prepare it, no matter what you do with it, you cannot eat blood. Whether it's a fowl or beast in any of your dwelling, whatsoever soul it be that eats any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Mm -hmm. Remember, this is one of the things that Yahweh gave to Noah in Genesis, I want to say eight or nine. And this is the same judgment that James gave in Acts. Yahweh gave it don't eat blood. And he has a reason for that. In Leviticus 17, 11, he gives us the reason why he is so particular over what happens to the blood of animals. In verse 11, it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. So in Yahweh's mind, the blood is there to be offered. It is not there for you. It's almost like you are cheapening it or defiling it, misusing it, because the purpose of it is to make an atonement. And if you're not, if you're killing the animal and you're not going to use the blood for the altar, then you, we literally have to bury it. He says, cover it up with dust. It's like, it's like a burial. 
even how we dispose of it is supposed to be done in a way that shows the blood some level of respect because that's what that's where the life is. The life is in the blood. Think about if you go, when you go to the doctor and mm -hmm. they want to know what's happening with you. They take blood because your blood tells them every detail of what's happening in your body. Yahweh knew that. They can look at your blood and know if you're deficient in a mineral or if you have too much of this or you need that or if they see cancer cells developing, they can do all of that by your blood. So we have to make sure that the food that we're eating is cooked properly, which means there's no blood still in the meat. So we can't eat rare steak. We shouldn't eat rare steak because that's not juice that's running out of the steak. That's blood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a, a lot of people feel that we can't hunt as Israelites. Well, how else do they get food in ancient days? They had to hunt. What Yahweh is concerned is, is what do we do with that blood? Make sure that blood is taken care of properly. The other thing that we can't eat um, in... Exodus 22:31 it says you shall be holy men unto me neither shall you eat any flesh that is torn of beast in the field give it to the dogs so let's say you're outside somewhere walking around your field and you see a dead lamb you can't take that lamb and eat it you can give it to the dogs but you yourself can't say, oh, poor lamb, slaughter, and, and then strip it and cut it up and eat it. We can't do that. I knew this one lady, she said that they found there was a dead deer on the side of the road. It got hit by a truck and they took it home. She wasn't a believer. I believe she was a witch and I really believe she was trying to provoke me. But she says that how they took the, picked up the, land, the, the, the deer and took it home and like, um, the blood was still warm, so it was a fresh kill. And I'm just, what came to my mind was, Yahweh said we can't do that. We're not supposed to just find a dead animal and take it home and eat it. Mm -hmm. You don't even know why it died. You know, mm -hmm. you pick up an animal <laughs> that died from the disease and you go eat it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Say it. <laughs> don't even tell me about it. Girl, I'm telling you, I'll eat grass first. I don't remember grass. Hallelujah! <laughs> 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 okay, um, so we can't eat anything that died of itself or was torn by beasts. Okay, mm -hmm. so you come and you see your lamb, it got attacked by coyotes, can't eat it. Any questions? All right, I think I got another chart. All right, so... Things that we cannot eat, fat, visible fat. You see the fat, you should, we should cut it off. Blood, people make blood pudding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like blood mm -hmm. sausage. Blood sausage, yep, yeah. Yes, they do. All, all these things. Um, we're not supposed to do that. Animals torn by bees or animals that die of itself. Yahweh said, don't eat it. 
Now, unless we are farming our own animals, there's, unfortunately, there's no way for us to know. And I wouldn't put it past them that when you buy that pack of chicken, that that chicken, they ain't find that chicken in the coop already dead and still mm -hmm. sent it to slaughter. That's a possibility, you know, it's a mm -hmm. possibility. So for those of us who do eat meat, we wanna be mindful of the source mm -hmm. that we're getting mm -hmm. these meats from. Because even though you might not know and it might not be held accountable, you might not be held accountable for it. But you know, for conscious sake, you should we should try to do what you know, yeah. what the father asks us to do. So, which brings us to where we started, which was in Acts, and we're running a little bit before um, after time. But I just want to touch a couple of important verses, and then we'll take a look at Colossians two sixteen. Okay, um, because Colossians 2.16 was presented to me in a question in a, um, it was very thought provoking because I never looked at it that way. Um, so we're going to, I wanna share that so we can um, see it in the, in the way, the intent of how Paul wrote the letter to Colossians and then we'll close out. So in Acts chapter 15, verse one says, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moshe, you cannot be saved. That's important because now they're saying, now these are people, they were called Judaizers. These are people who promoted Judaism. And even though Messiah at this point had already come, died, resurrected, they still had um, Judeans who believed that they still had to keep Torah, but not keep it for obedience, but keep it for salvation. And that's the problem. Because they're saying, unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. That's contrary to the grace of Mashiach. So this is what brings us to this council. So I'm gonna drop down to verse five. Um, not even verse five, I'm gonna go down some more. So in verse seven, Peter stands up at this council, it's almost like you could, if you could imagine like a courtroom and all these judges or elders are sitting around and they're having this discussion. James is the judge. He's, he is hearing all the arguments from everyone, including the Pharisees who are, who are there and they're basically making their case before James. So Peter stands up in verse seven and says, and when, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men, my brothers, you know how that a good while ago, Elohim made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And Elohim, which knows the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Ruach, even as he did to us. And he put no difference between us and them purifying hearts, purifying their hearts by faith. 
Now, therefore, why are you tempting Elohim to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So what they were trying to bear was to earn salvation by their action. Peter saying, we, not even our ancestors were able to be saved because they obeyed Torah. So why are we now bringing in these new people and telling them that they need to be, for them to be saved, they got to do what we couldn't even do. That's the mind that Peter's dealing with. Verse 12. Um, actually, I'm, I'm going to go down to verse 19. Because throughout the rest of the verses, Peter begins to build his case. So at verse 19, James speaks and he says, this is my judgment that we trouble them not from, with, from among the Gentiles that have turned to Elohim, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, idolatry, and from fornication, and from things strang strangled, and from blood. For Moshe of old time has in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. I'm sorry. So um, there will be people today, the same way they are in ancient days, that tells us that we need to do something for salvation and we don't. So I wanted to touch that, these verses, because one, it, it shows that Yahweh still wants us to adhere to dietary laws, but it has nothing to do with us um, being saved. We are saved by only one thing, by the, the grace, by having belief in Mashiach, Yahushua. So in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come, but the body of Mashiach. So when I read this verse, I'm reading it from the point of view of Paul encouraging the Colossians who are now walking in Torah and telling them, don't worry what people come to you and say, as far as why you're not eating, why you're not drinking or why you're not doing this or why you keep in the feast days. So, and basically don't let people around you discourage you because you're walking in Torah. Mm -hmm. But it was presented as a, like, like from the point of view, like Paul was saying, um, it doesn't make a difference what you eat. You know, don't let anyone tell you that you can't eat this or you can't eat that. But when we, when we look at the whole context of the Colossian people and all of the Roman assemblies, including the Corinthians and the Galatians and the Ephesians, what was happening in that culture was these were people who weren't outside of Israel. They were outside of Torah. These were people who were coming into belief in Mashiach, coming into the commonwealth of, the commonwealth of Israel. They were coming into obedience to Torah. So when he tells them, let no man judge you, he's basically talking about don't let anybody who is not a part of Israel judge you when you are trying to keep Torah as it pertains to the dietary laws and the sacred calendars and the Sabbath. Don't let people on the outside 
judge you. Think about that. We're, we're all Israelites, but we're going to have our neighbor who is an atheist try to explain to us how to keep the Sabbath. Uh-oh. Right? That was, uh, that's, the, that's, that's the point of view Paul is talking about. The only people who's outside who don't know about Israel, don't know about Yah, don't know about Torah, don't know about salvation, don't let them come and tell you and judge you whether how you keep Torah. They can't because it's not for them. They don't have the discernment. It's not given to them. You know, if we had more time, we could look more into that and what he actually wrote that to um, the Corinthian assembly. You know, the only people that can judge what Israel do is Israel. If you have a question about the Sabbath, you wouldn't go ask your coworker who goes to church on Sunday. You're going to call up a sister in the faith and say, sis, should I do this on Sabbath? Is this allowed on Sabbath? You're not going to go to the world. So that's the, the vein of thought that Paul was coming from when he wrote that to the Colossians. It wasn't, a, it was not um, saying that you don't have to worry about it at all. He's just saying, don't let people from the outside judge what you're doing because they don't know what you're doing. The body is Mashiach. That's who understands and spiritually discerns Torah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stop there. Um, it's almost a quarter after. And for the most part, I, I, I covered everything. There was just a, a couple of more um, like verses where a lot of people go to, like one was in Romans. Uh, a lot of times people go to this or have struggles to under, to kind of, um, what's the word? Align what Paul is saying to the Romans. And even he said another letter to the Corinthian where it sounds like he's saying we can eat what we want to eat. But he, that's not what he, he's, he means. Paul is looking through the lens of being a Jew. He's looking through the lens of being a Pharisee. So when he's, when he's saying about meat that we can eat, he, in his mind, that's a very short list. He's not thinking about every animal on the planet. He is thinking through the lens of Torah, of what is allowed to eat. And when Again, the natural man looks into his writings. They judge it through the natural mind and not through the mind of Israel, of Torah, and that's what lead them astray. And that's where you have that lot of doctrine in the Christian church. You can eat whatever you want to eat because Paul said this and Paul said that. But they don't realize Paul was talking about it from the point of view of a, of a, of a Torah believer and with already having the mindset of what we were allowed to eat anyway. Amen. Okay. So um, I'm going to stop there. If anyone has any questions, you can always text me. I'm available to respond. I don't want to hold you guys any longer. Like I said, it's almost a quarter after. Sister. Yes, sister. Yes, sister. You said the um, Corinthians assembly. Is that you said that was in Colossians? No, uh, they are part of the Roman Empire. They were they were oh. they were a part of the Roman Empire. So, um, a lot of a lot of the places that Paul traveled were the, these were prominent cities in Rome. Oh, um, so they a lot of, a lot of what they had was the same culture and the same issues. That's oh. why a lot of times you would see that he's saying the same thing 
in the letter to the Galatians that he would say to the Corinthians because it's almost like saying, you know, it's America. So America gonna have the same problems whether you live in Maryland or you live in New York. So what I tell you in Maryland, I'm gonna tell you in New York. Oh, okay. They're having the same problems. So that's that that's um that's how that works. Oh, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Sister Shayla, are you available to press out? Yes, I am. Thank you, sister. <clears throat> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we just bless you, Father. We bless you for your teaching, for your clarity, Father. We thank you for your patience, for your kindness, Father. Father, we thank you for raising up your servants. We thank you for raising up Sister Malka in this time to bring clarity and truth to your, well, and bring your truth um, to light, Father. And so we thank you, Father. I thank you for just your wonder of opening our eyes to the wonderful things in your law, Father. We thank you for loving us and setting us apart, Father, and showing us how to be set apart to you, Father. And so we just ask, Father, for your continued grace, Father, for your Holy Spirit to continue to show us and give us insight and help us to walk according to your to your ways, Father, that we may continue to be set apart to you because you have set us apart by the blood of Mashiach, Father, and we desire, Father, to, to, to be that set apart nation and to be clean for you, to be holy for you, Father. And so we just, um, we thank you, Father. We thank you for this teaching. And um, yeah, we just ask that you just continue to continue to, to teach us, Father. Yes, and um we thank you, Father. We thank you in the name of Messiah Yahushua. We give you praise. Amen. 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 Thank you, ladies. Yeah. Have a blessed rest of your week. Have a blessed Sabbath. And y'all willing, I will see you all next Wednesday. We'll do. Okay. okay. Come on. Shalom. Shalom. Come on. Mm -hmm.